Shut up and sit down. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. Mike, it's great to be here. I want everyone to know that you can find us at Limited Upside Podcast on Twitter. That's an official handle. When these episodes go live, you don't need to go to Mike. What's your Twitter handle? Mike Prada SBN. Okay, you don't need to go to Mike Prada SBN. You don't need but, to go to. But at you SBN. should. You should. You can, but you'll find this podcast, the Limited Upside Podcast, now at our own handle at Limited Upside Podcast. Mike, there's a lot to talk about because the NBA is fun. Especially fun, though, when the drama is real. And the drama mm. seems to be thick right now in uh, a particular you're... Rust Belt city. Where it, 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 it smells of... They, what, they what call are, it what? The land? Is that what they call I, it? The land? I think that's what it's called. We're talking about Cleveland, that is. Mm-hmm. And, and this has been a week not, with no shortage of drama whatsoever. And that started off with Inklings... Uh, some, some voices peeping out from the organization that maybe Kyrie Irving wasn't happy. And that led to a few days off for this to marinate. And in those couple days, LeBron James could not stay away from social media, could not stay away from the microphones that were put in front of his face. And from that, we have the mess that we are currently in. And more importantly, he could not stay away from warm weather in Miami. That's even more importantly, going back to where, from whence he came not too long ago, to a place of comfort, to a person of comfort in Dwayne Wade. And we'll talk about we'll talk about all of this, because there's a holistic issue here, which is that a team that has Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, and LeBron James should be playing basketball like it is the most fun sport, like it is a joyous thing to take the court with each other in your primes. We'll talk about if they're in their primes or not. Mike will touch on that. But, Mike, right now it looks like joyless basketball. It looks like when Cleveland takes the court, they're being forced to do so. Despite their fine record in first place standing in the Eastern Conference, it feels broken, and it feels broken internally. Mike, tell me why it's joyless basketball right now and why we're not necessarily loving watching what should be a beautiful basketball product. Well, they're, what, 42-17. and 17. They're on pace for, that's what, like about 58 wins, 59, maybe even 60 wins? Correct. And yet, it just feels like they are not putting together, with some rare exceptions, when they win, it's like they have these games where their talent is so overwhelming. And then, they're also just not playing that great otherwise. It doesn't look like they play well together. It's often a solo act. You know, when they win, it's like one guy is going off, whether it's Kyrie, whether it's LeBron. It doesn't feel like the team really plays all the way together. Yep. I think, you know, what's what's interesting is less how they look on the court and more how they talk about their issues. It just feels like every little thing gets blown up, and I don't think it's because of, like, media is blowing stuff up. The Cavs themselves are blowing stuff up. I think LeBron James makes things bigger than they really are by taking it public before he takes it private. Now, we don't know necessarily if he talked to Kyrie before Kyrie made whatever comments he may or may not have made. Again, these are these are leaks. We, this is the thing. We, this, yeah. There's so much plausible deniability here that, like, this all on its own, this all means nothing. Correct. But Mike, we talked about this, again, before the pod, previously, on many occasions, even privately. This is an organization where things just leak out of. It is yeah. like a boat with corkscrews poked all over it. It's filling up with water now, and there are issues. And the issues currently, as and we can read a couple of these, we don't know again speculating here what LeBron and Kyrie Irving's conversations were like if there were any if Kyrie is even upset with being in Cleveland and does one out but 
When on March 1st, two days ago, this is March 3rd, I guess I should say, Thursday night recording as usual. On March 1st, LeBron James tweets out, it's okay uh, to know you've made a mistake, because we all do at times. Just be ready to live with whatever that comes with it and be with. I don't even know. If that's bad philosophy. Are, are there a lot of mistakes you've made that you are being forced to live with? Yeah, I mean, no. That seems so <laughs> cryptic, right? That, that's, right? that is both existential, cryptic, and also telling because it speaks. When you have a teammate, a very integral part of the team who you expect to be in the championship with, who might be unhappy and earlier that day, and then you tweet that that night, it's an easy one-to-one relationship. Well, forget that. He was in Miami this week, and he tweets this out. I mean, he can plausibly deny this all he wants, as he did, and he said, I can go to Miami. Basically, he's like, "Why? what's wrong with going to Miami? And like, no, I didn't mean anything by it. But They had a, they had a couple days off. Mike, what was their schedule? It was weird, right? They had a yeah, few they, days off. They played on, what, Monday, right? They And they don't play again until Friday. Correct. So, yeah, they have a few days off. And I think you've said in other sports that players go away and take the break, and yeah. it's no big deal. That's why, like, for one of these things to happen is, like, whatever. But for it's just been an entire season of weirdness around that team. You know, whether it's some of the stuff with Kyrie, whether it's some of the stuff with uh, with J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert, whether it's the way Mozgov has played, whether it's with some of the stuff with Kevin Love and not quite fitting in, whether it's... It just seems like every little thing, they blow up. I mean, even take to... And Thursday. Very true. true. Thursday, they're talking about, publicly, about how they miss Kendrick Perkins badly for his leadership, for his way of bringing the team together. I know. They're not missing his jump shot, I promise. (laughs) His jump hook, his back downs, (laughs) his his bully ball down there. Uh, (laughs) No, they're not missing that. But don't you think it's a little weird that they're talking about missing Kendrick Perkins let's say that they really are missing Kendrick Perkins like why is that a topic of discussion all all that means is that the the one for one transfer there is we are missing leadership in the locker room we're missing someone to hold people accountable that's all that means let's say that's true why are you talking about it like what is the point like what is the point it just seems like there's you know what's really sad about Cleveland is not really how they're playing Mm. but just how this season has felt so you said the word joyless, but I think it's just the pressure just feels to be too much. Every little thing is just kind of really people are saying how big a deal it is and how concerned there are. I mean, this is LeBron has been talking about this stuff since November when, frankly, they got off to a better start than I think a lot of people would have expected with the sure. way. But then it's like, no, this is not how a championship team plays and blah, 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 blah. And right. LeBron is as more very well public kind of jealousy of the Warriors and how much fun they're having. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, you know why you're not having fun is that every little thing is being, you know, you don't want to be the leader or the coach that kind of blows up every little mistake. Sometimes you got to let this stuff happen. Yeah. And it just feels like they're, for whatever reason, and I have a lot of theories about this that we'll talk about throughout the show, they are taking everything way too seriously. I wish they would just, like, relax and play the game the way they can. I completely agree. But when, when you say play the game the way they can, when I watch the Cavs play, success or failure, it's one-on-one basketball. And a very telling quote from Verizal upon going from Cleveland. Anderson Verizal, Anderson yes. Verizal, going from Cleveland to Golden State, a very unique circumstance where two teams have played in the finals last year that could very well play in the finals again this year. And this player is going to get it to see and is now seeing both sides of that coin. 
And his first comments upon getting to Golden State had to do with how much they pass the ball and how much fun they have. Yeah, he's, I think he said, I'm going to dig up the exact quote yeah, real quick. Sure. As Mike looks for that, you don't have to look too deep into what that means. There's no you know lines to read between. That means that he wasn't having, and the team itself in Cleveland wasn't having as much fun. And when you've already taken the drastic measure of firing your coach midseason, the, the steps and the trade deadline is passed, I guess we should say. This is the team, that's your coach, that you need to either succeed or, or fail with. Yeah, so the Verizon quote is, he said, quote, I'm glad I came here because I could tell they love each other. <laughs> and is, you wouldn't, okay. That's clearly, worse, by the way. Yes, clearly a, a winning team <laughs> likes each other. But you wouldn't kind of point it out, I don't think, unless there was some problem with where you came from. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, there are a lot, why do you think they don't like each other? I mean, this is the thing I'm like, I have my theories, but sure. I'm curious why you think, because I think it's fairly obvious that there's not universal love. And we can argue about how important that is. Pun intended there, for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I, no I, very I, good. Very I'll give you my first. I'll give you what I think in a, in a quick spurt, and then I think you'll be able to kind of draw a lot from this, Mike. So I, I think that... The, the current issue that uh, Cleveland is having is very similar to what they actually had last year in not getting over the hump. I think the expectations that are associated with LeBron, he is used to having. They've been on him singularly his whole career. First stint in Cleveland, even in high school. First stint in Cleveland, when he went to Miami, he was bringing with him the expectation of, at the very minimum, representing his conference in the championship. Yeah. He joins a team with guys who had never even made the playoffs in Kevin Love, never gotten anywhere of, of, of circumstance with J.R. Smith and Mozgov, guys who brought over to him. Kyrie Irving Kyrie never, Irving made, the never made the playoffs. Played four games in college at Duke. You know, you're talking about guys who burdening those expectations is a difficult mental game, let alone the physical things that they needed to get better at because Kyrie was 22 last year, turning mm-hmm. 23. So when you tack on this built-in set of expectations LeBron carries on himself, spreads that around to a bunch of guys who aren't Dwayne Wade. They're not Chris Bosh. They're not ready to maybe necessarily carry those extreme expectations of failure is everything but the finals, or winning it in this case, because midway through this year, they established that making the NBA finals is not enough. Right, so... I, I, that theory makes sense for last year. Okay. okay, they're not ready yet. Now they know. They, they've gotten there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess maybe Love didn't because he didn't play and Kyrie was hurt at times. But okay, they've been there. What, why don't, what is it about this year then? That's what I'm curious about. All right, so I'll, I'll lead into that. Is LeBron the guy who, bur- who carried these expectations the same LeBron capable of carrying those expectations? Is he taking out potentially some of his frustration with aging, with not being at the same We'll call it the LeBron-centric NBA that has been his world the last decade is potentially now no longer in his. If the Cleveland Cavaliers play their best basketball, the ball is usually in his court. That means they're going to win. If mm-hmm. LeBron plays at his best and Cleveland plays at their best. And they're at full strength. And they're at full strength, they are going to win. Which is the argument for last year is that, you know, okay, maybe the Warriors won, but the, the Cavs didn't correct, have their correct. full team. Now, is LeBron coping with mentally knowing that, Shit, it's not in my court anymore. That ball right. is firmly in Golden State Warriors. They're the better team. They have the best player who is not a guy LeBron will be guarding. So even that is out of his own hands on a more personal matchup level. So is it is it potentially that these fears are manifesting in this team struggle? 
I think that's part of it. I think uh, the fact that the jealousy he feels for Golden State I find very interesting. And he has, I believe, talked about it publicly, about how he is jealous about the way they play and the way they seem to enjoy each other. Um, again, I'd have to dig up the exact quote. I just remember him talking about that in <laughs> in November. And I think, look, as a fan of the game, I'm jealous of the Warriors too. See? And I understand. But I think it's interesting the way he's talked about that so openly and yet – his public stance has been, frankly, so grumpy. Yeah. Which I find it almost is like a defeat of the purpose. And I think there is something to the fact of him coming to terms with his own mortality in a way, in some way he didn't anticipate. You know, not that winning a title in Cleveland would be easy, but I think now he's thinking the real very possibility that this return home will yield zero titles. And then if that's the case, I mean, really, maybe he did – what do you say about mistakes I in that tweet? It, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe it, maybe yeah. that is something. Maybe he meant this. It's okay to know you've made a mistake. It was meant for himself. Yeah. Even though, actually, I think we're all assuming that it was meant for Kyrie Irving. I think it. I don't know who it was meant for, but I think there. I mean, why isn't it meant for himself? Why? Well, what's the plausible? He then, clarifies, he then says, because we all do at times, thus putting himself in the everyone else boat, as in we all do. Just be ready to live with whatever that comes with it and be with. That I mean, is a wait. statement to someone else. Well, but okay, but do yeah. you have to live with your mistakes? Like, sometimes I can, like, fix my mistakes. Sure. Why do yeah, I have to yeah. live with them? Uh, maybe that's what he's trying to get out of this. I mean, again, we're inferring a tweet here. This is a, a set number this of characters. This is so silly, I isn't love it? it. <laughs> it's 2016, baby. This is what we do. We talk about tweets because I want to bring this up. I do, we talked about trust, right? Um, knowing the guys who are going to battle with you. I'm not going to use any military analogies here because this is basketball but having an understanding of not having to tell Dwayne Wade what he needs to do Bosch knew what his role was and what he needed to do for them to win the championship I I don't know that he has that trust in his teammates at the moment and when he puts up this tweet today five hours ago can't replace being around great friends that reciprocate the same energy back to you in all facets of life that to me, is screaming. And we know that he's in Miami while he's tweeting this. He's on his little vacation with Well, I, I guess he's back now, but yes, okay. he was in Miami. He was in Miami, was training with Dwayne Wade back in his old you know, comfort zone, if you will. And, and to a lesser extent, you see Wade playing a little better the last couple games because he trusts Joe Johnson. These superstars, it's an interesting for, point. for one reason or another, can confide in each other, see each other eye to eye, and then on the basketball court interpret that into better basketball is something that I think LeBron might be searching for right now. Right, and and you know LeBron has always valued con- kind of camaraderie. Very much. And all that, so there might be something to that. Uh, the thing that is just, I mean, first of all, LeBron has a history of kind of using this form to kind of get a how message. How do you feel about that? You know, look, I, obviously I'm not a huge fan of <laughs> the, the leadership style, but this is what he, is, he has done. He did it with Kevin Love last year with the – what do you say exactly? The f- fit in for fit out? Fit in, yeah, fit in, I think, right? Or f- yeah. Something uh, like that. Let but me see if I can dig up exactly the Cavs, what he said. again, forcing camaraderie, in my opinion, take these after-win pictures together. And yeah, know. it's so blatant, I think. And yeah, I hate I, that. Because you know what Golden State did after they won the finals last year? All three, The whole team went to Vegas for two and a half days together, just the yes. team, to party and celebrate. I, I, I get the impression that even – if Cleveland were to win the finals this year, I'm not sure that they're all hanging out for the next three days after enjoying it together. I right. feel like potentially what you have here are, are brands of players or players that have their own brands, I should say, that might be going in slightly different directions and that will never really congruently run together. Age right. is a problem. 
ability is a problem. Yeah. Kyrie Irving is a tremendous, a mercur- <laughs> I'll use a good soccer term, a mercurial offensive talent. But his defensive liabilities are very real. Yeah. And, compared, and combined, I should say, with Kevin Love's very real defensive issues, <laughs> maybe an aging LeBron doesn't want to have to compensate defensively when he knows he's already carrying so much weight right. offensively. I, I think we can talk about the on-court stuff with those two in a bit. The quote, sure. by the way, was, uh, yep. stop trying to find a way to fit out <laughs> and just fit in. Be a part of something special. By the way, a part. So, like, as in be away from Separate. something special. So he actually... Convey the exact opposite point he was trying to convey. <laughs> just so we're just so we're clear, this is why I'm an editor. <laughs> so be a part of something special. Just my thoughts. And he later admitted that he was referring to Kevin Love. This was you should in- be his social media editor because the a the space between the a. And the part is really important. It's essential. It's like when, you know, we report that someone has re-signed, but we don't put the hyphen, so we say they resigned. <laughs> resigned. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, look, being LeBron's social media editor is a very, very difficult job right no, now. No doubt about that. I So I want to pose this thought to you, kind of moving back to LeBron. Mm-hmm. I think you're talking that he's coming to terms with his own mortality. I want to posit the thought that he is being too overbearing. And that the real problem with this team is that they feel there is no reason. You talk about how he could trust Dwayne Wade, he could trust Chris Bosh. Uh, to some degree, Chris Bosh hadn't really won anything either. I mean, Dwayne Wade obviously had won a title. Yeah. So, and in Miami, like they, the management runs stuff. Like LeBron couldn't run the Heat. You've and so, there was an established hierarchy. Right. There. So, yeah. and there's there's a very I think kind of established like sense of LeBron. You're a player. You're a very important leader and player, but like you have to trust like kind of the infrastructure mm-hmm. around you. In Cleveland, he is the infrastructure. That's right, and that's and the, the decision maker. Yeah, I mean, he is the he is wielding so much power, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes what happens is, and you see this with like a particularly strict boss of any kind in any field. You know, the more you kind of clench your fists, the more yeah. stuff kind of just slips through your fingers. And I think he, I think part of the reason. It's like parenting. Yes. If you are an oppressive parent, likely your kid is going to react in the opposite manner and be a free spirit crazy person. And if you're it's a. Same idea. Exactly. And if you're a micromanager. Reflexive nature of things. If you're a micromanager, all that's going to end up happening is you're going to be doing everything. Mm-hmm. And people are going to never kind of, you know, teach a man that's to right. fish or fish for them. It's the same analogy. Totally. I think that LeBron. The climate, whether he is creating it or not, I think there's too much pressure there. And I think everybody would benefit if everybody just relaxed, trusted each other a little bit more. I mean, we talk about trust. The Warriors have so much trust where they have this halftime blow up with Draymond Green in Oklahoma City. And everybody trusts that, like, okay, that happened. That that's out there. There are some issues. And they worked through them. They overcame them. Draymond apologized. They won that game. Yep. They, they trust that, like, those things will happen and they trust each other. I don't sense that trust in Cleveland. And if I'm thinking about why, I think without having been around that team, without really kind of getting to know the pulse of that locker room, from 1,000 foot in, it feels like from the very start there's just too much pressure that LeBron has put on that team. Yeah, I, Mike, I, I agree. I think part of that is exactly what you touched on. The player-GM dynamic, recruiting the teammates who want to be around you in order for you to then go play for a team. I mean, he put the gears in motion for this team, for this roster that he has. The players that they traded for last year, Mozgov and Smith. Well, Kevin Love to start. Love to start with, for sure, in the trade with Wiggins. I mean, these are major, major 
player personnel decisions that you'd have to be naive to think LeBron didn't have a, a big say in. Significant say. Significant. Now, I mean, he's not, no. not he's not calling GMs and saying that's right. You know, right. oh, uh, do you want to? You don't want to take our 2018 first round pick for this? You know, he's not negotiating. That, right. But, that's but, right. But in, in Miami, to your point, that's Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. That's nobody else. That's not LeBron James. That's Pat Riley. And, and I, I'm not like a management that's got to do management thing like stuff like snob there. Like I think. I like that players have some power. I think they deserve some power. I don't think it's a moral issue. I just think it's a time management issue. I think he's got too much on his plate. He's trying to do too many things. It's like a again a micromanager. You don't it's not wrong for someone to micromanage because it's a moral failure to micromanage. It's just when you micromanage you just do too much. Mm-hmm. You just can't do everything. You think you can but you can't and stuff slips. And that's sure. kind of where I'm I'm at with LeBron. It's not a moral he's not allowed to do this. It's mm-hmm. just I think it's ineffective for him and to some degree for the rest of the team. Sure. To the degree that 42 and 17 is underachieving. That's right. I mean know, but, but part of that is they're 12 and 6. Since they brought in Tyron Lue to be there, you know, they moved him up the bench. Yeah, and, and remember, wh- remember why they let go of Blatt, and it was because of the spirit of the team was bad. That That's was, right. I think that was the David Griffin court. That was, not, the, yes. That's uh, right. And, like, clearly the morale is worse now. I mean, one of the things that Lue has done is he's brought love out of his shell a little bit, but no one seems to be able to tap the consistency from Kyrie Irving that they need. Yeah, now keep in mind, Kyrie, coming off knee surgery, I think that has affected his game. True, but he's been coming off one injury or another since his first two weeks at Duke. That's true. You know, and, and, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, that's the body build, but it's also the way he plays. You know, he does go down and play amongst the trees. He he, he has no problems challenging bigger you know guys at the rim or, or around the basket. It's one of his strengths. Um, well, here's a, okay. So here's yeah. a quote from David Griffin: "I've never seen a locker room not be as connected as as after wins as this one." Exactly. And and I, I, part of it is like part of sometimes when we talk about the Cavs, I feel like, oh, you're just blowing stuff up. They're forty two and seventeen. They're fine. And my response is always, we're not the ones doing this. They're the ones saying that. That's right. That's right. And look. When old NBA superstars, and we're not, I know you just heard old NBA superstars, but I'm not going to talk about how Oscar Robertson and, and Kareem don't like Steph because that is so dumb we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> but, but when old NBA superstars got mad at LeBron years back for joining Dwayne Wade and for joining Chris Bosh and making the, you know, you got to win it on your own, you got to create a team in the organic sense that the Celtics and Lakers did, you know, with question mark behind both of those because they had NBA greats all over. But the idea is the older players got mad about when when those guys joined up. How do you think those same players feel about a mid-season vacation together between two teams who could play in the first round? They're, you know, they, well, they, could, they could They probably don't like it. Right. Well, I, how, I, how do I don't think, know if it's let's see this is the thing. On its own, I don't think it's a big deal. It's just well, in the context LeBron's, of everything else going on. How do you think LeBron's teammates feel about that? You know, I don't know. I, I think it's a, a fair point because it's not like if – I think if someone – I was listening to some show that kind of made this point. Like, you know, LeBron just kind of jetted down. Like, he didn't take any teammates with him. It's not like, you know, Tristan Thompson and him are close. Like, couldn't take Tristan Thompson with him. He went on his own. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, LeBron, where are you going? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> no, nowhere. Hey, there's a party this weekend? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. No party. Uh, got canceled. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'll see you next week. Yeah, everything ends with Tristan Thompson missing out on stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or Kevin Love. I mean, imagine yeah, the Instagram yeah, photos. Right? I know, man. Yeah. It's, but yeah, so the point I'm making, though, I think you're getting at, though, is 
I don't know. Look, if everything's not perfect, there are probably things that should be. You get some rest, you see your family, and you work on these things together. This would be, I'll tell you what the Spurs would do in this situation. Probably something where the older guys get a little a day to rest, and the next day they're doing some kind of team-building, non-physical thing. We know right. this is what they do. In the offseason, the, some teams take retreats together. Some teams celebrate together. I, I don't know if LeBron is fostering that because everything about his move back to Cleveland was LeBron's coming back to Cleveland. It's LeBron first, Cleveland second. And right now, this is playing out very LeBron first, Cleveland second. If he really cared about the interest of his team and teammates, no chance he's saying this stuff on social media. Because I'll tell you what, it doesn't stoke the fire in a positive way. Like I'm, I, It yeah. may have the first time or the second time or the third time, but we're way past that now, man. Yeah, it's I, not, it's it's not a great... It's petty. High schoolers would tweet this about high school teammates. Not professional, not 30-year-old men who have a, a, a pretty stellar reputation as being one of the best teammates in NBA history. LeBron makes everyone better. Yeah. Rather than scold him for this behavior, <sighs> I mean, I... I just hate I, talking about it. I, it yeah, I don't, I don't like it either, but I, I think what's more interesting about this is not whether this is appropriate, but kind of why and how these conditions were created. What makes me sad... Sure is that LeBron, for his entire career, valued camaraderie and enjoyment, and that was very important to him. That's why he teamed up with those three guys, uh, Wade and Bosch. They had an incredible bond that was formed at the Olympics. You remember some of his old Cavs teams. There was such great chemistry there, the bench celebrations, all of that. Totally. And for whatever reason... There's, all of that joy is gone with this team. Even when they win, it does not feel like they're enjoying. Yep. I mean, it's what they said. And what I wonder, I, I would never why though a little bit more. Maybe it wasn't David Blatt, right? You know, I mean, but <laughs> it's weird. I never would have expected this to be LeBron, like LeBron, to be the grumpy old man complaining about, you know. His teammates. Okay, I look. never would have expected that he would. Now he complains about teammates. I, I mean, I understand. I just never would have expected it to be the problem of the one guy so isolated, the guy who always wanted to be a part of the crew, mm-hmm. so isolated from everybody else, well, from whatever is, it is, temperament, whatever. That's the true, uh, call it dichotomy of LeBron, is that his whole life has been in a test tube. You know, we've watched him mature from 16 years old to 31 years old now, whatever he is. He has wanted so desperately to fit in at each of these levels with his teammates in, so, in, in the world of social media, in the world of fashion, his hair. Think about all these things, man. I'm mm-hmm. a balding 30-year-old dude. I, I don't care. This is how it comes when you get older. Oh, now, no, you should care. It's very bad. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so the point is, like, you have a guy like LeBron who he, he both cares so much and, uh, about what other people think and then ultimately should know that because he cares so much what other people think that anything he does say will be blown up, become more public, and yet he does these things. Right. And so it's like you understand the storm you're bringing on yourself, but here with his new teammates, but to get back to the fact that it's not a couple of uh, Team USA 30-year-old two 31-year-old men, these are younger guys. Kyrie's a kid. Well, he, he is really a senior Yes, person. he can very much influence them, and negatively when he comes public with criticism. Well, I'm interested in, I wonder where the, where the chicken or the egg came in. Did he, has he fostered a dynamic that he is separate, or have the, has the team not bonded mm-hmm. and in his frustration, this is how he handles that? That's a good question. I think that's a really interesting question because because one thing about Kevin Love 
and something that has always been true about Kevin Love is that he sort of sometimes keeps to himself. I wouldn't call him a loner, but he is is not he personality wise he's not the same kind of personality sure. as LeBron. Could could he be any more of a quiet or introverted guy? Than... He's introverted. That's sure. a good. You know. That's what the reporting has always been done. Any more so than a Tim Duncan is an introverted guy? Well, but Tim Duncan with his teammates is a little bit less, okay. is, is very... So you're saying that Love is that outside of the court Right, well. yeah, okay. that's okay. what I'm saying. Actually, particularly outside. Yeah. That's what the reporting has been. He's just kind of, it's not It's not in a negative way. He's just kind of, that's his personality. Okay, he's so not, for him, being a part of the group is not as important. And so LeBron... Last year was very frustrated about that, mm-hmm. and they vowed to work on it. And we'll see. I'm not sure exactly where they are. I don't think love is really the problem with this team. I think we can talk about the encore stuff in a little bit. Sure. But I wonder if, in response to the lack of camaraderie he feels with this team, LeBron feels like this is the method to try to solve it. And I yeah. think that. But I, I still think that to some degree. It's not fun because there's so much pressure from LeBron's return and from championship or bust and, oh, God, the Warriors, I really am jealous of them. To me, that's still what is causing this malaise. Again, as much as a 42-17 and 17 team <laughs> can feel malaise. That, to me, is what – I still think it's sort of a LeBron – maybe not inadvertently LeBron, but the LeBron conditions that have been set have kind of thrown this joylessness over the team but it is possible that the reverse is true and that the, the LeBron has lost his joy from the sure. rest of the roster. Sure and I'll tell you one thing that's apparent because the game they played a couple days ago against the Wizards they still very much need LeBron to be a competitive team. Yeah I mean and they that, laid over in that game. It was embarrassing if I'm that ex- embarrassing loss. For exactly them. and if I'm one of these compensatory parts of the team and I'm calling Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love compensatory parts to this Cleveland team that's a great way for me to show my value and my, my will to win the things that you know LeBron was watching with a critical eye. I'm sure he's watching that game strictly on the emotional side and far less on the X's and O's. He knows what these guys are capable of, but you're right. They rolled over. They got beat uh, 99 to 113 at Washington. And that, that underscore, it was much worse than sure. that. The Cavs exactly. were down by, I believe, 25, 30 points. That's in the right. And, half. and we should say a couple nights before, fully staffed, they lost to Toronto, who's definitely going to give them a run for their money if they play each other in the in the playoffs in a seven game series it's going to be a tough one because Lowry is a really difficult matchup for Kyrie and we can yes. talk a little more X's and O's now but that is a expo- exploitive yeah matchup yeah well, one one last thought on yeah. the Cavs yeah. before we move to the X's and O's part of it I think uh, Toronto in some ways this may be the best thing that could happen to them because one explanation or one reason that a lot of people are still not quite making so much out of this is that there's this assumption that Tur- Cleveland will just roll through the East. There's no peer. They did it last year, and there's no Atlanta Hawks there. Like, there's no 60-win team they're fighting with. So, in some senses, Toronto emerging as a real threat to take the one seed, maybe that will kind of inspire them. So now they have something maybe to play for. Mm-hmm. It might kind of wake them up a little bit. They kind of don't have they, – they see a challenge. Yeah. So that might be the best thing. Although, and because we've seen games that they are really locked in and they are lights yeah, out. When they killed, they, beat, they killed the Thunder a few yeah, weeks back. The Thunder yeah. game, they just destroyed them. I think they played Charlotte at home yep. a couple days later, and Charlotte was coming in playing well, dismantled them. When Toronto came to Cleveland, Kyrie couldn't miss. Like they have these games where they just dominate, but they also have these games. And I actually thought they played pretty well against Toronto, but they have games like Washington. I mean, they they but, turned around after beating Oklahoma City one fifteen to ninety two. The next night they went and lost to Detroit 88-96. At home. Points. And LeBron played terribly in that yep. game. 
Yep, and then you're right. Then they flipped that, and they beat Charlotte 114-103, and then they lost to Toronto and Washington. So inconsistency, as much as you can be for a first place in your conference team, and I'm glad you brought up that point with Toronto, Mike, because now I want to I bring this to the other direction is, which we, we kind of hit on here, the Cavs play or playing what we appear to be joyless basketball or kind of this maybe fake emotional state where no one's really cohesively a, a team unit. But does that even matter, Mike? Does it might that not. Even matter? Now, it might not. I mean, I think, look, in a playoff series, I'm still taking LeBron's team over anyone else. Toronto is only. Yeah. I mean, Toronto is a great, a very good team. They are not last year's Hawks. Do you think that this Toronto team, though, is the, the best case to see a team in the East knocking them off? The, the worst matchup for Cleveland in I the mean, East? I mean, it's probably the best shot. I mean, we saw. You're right about the, the Kyrie. Lowry thing is significant, but the problem with Toronto that they're going to run into is that their success is so much built off their bench unit, and in the playoffs, that stuff yep. shortens up. We talked about that last week. That's right. Now, X's and O's wise, why some for all the chemistry concerns, this is still. I don't know if it stems from the way they're playing on the court or it reflects the way they play on the court. Let's assume that to some degree, if the team had parts that fit better they would have better chemistry. I mean, there's always like kind of mm-hmm. a circular logic to all of that. Sure. What is the problem then? Why are they – if the, to the degree that there is an on-court problem, like yeah. where do you think the source is? Sure. All right. Well, I'll tell you that I think the source is Kyrie Irving. Um, he's a guy who I held in extremely high regard when I saw him play in high school, in college, and early on in his NBA career, and I still see that same guy. Uh, I guess what I'm looking for is for him to take his game to another level, and a big part of that is Kyrie doesn't average enough assists. Kyrie's shooting 26% from three-point on the road. That tells me that he's not taking or moving his game to the right places on the court. And we've talked about this earlier. There's a ton of isolation, kind of create-your-own-destiny going on in the, in the Cleveland Cavaliers' offense. He's getting the opportunity as a tremendous one-on-one basketball player to take other guys one-on-one. And I don't think he's making good decisions. Part of that could be the pressure he feels from having LeBron on the court with him. But I don't think that's a cop-out whatsoever. But I, mean, I look at it like this. You got a six foot three, defensively um, weak point guard in Kyrie. You better be getting a ton of. You better be getting at least Isaiah Thomas type offensive numbers. And yeah. he's not. He's not there. No, he hasn't been. He he has been a little shaky since coming back from from knee surgery. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to dig up a stat that I think is telling with Kyrie. Um, I mean, but and we should say, I mean, Kyrie's averaging 19, four assists and three rebounds a game. But four assists, not enough, number one. No, with I mean, offensive weapons around them like Love and, and LeBron to just get buckets for you. But I want to know another thing, too. Do you think that having a, and we talked about this a little bit, the idea of having an ex-point guard as your coach, do you think that having a defensive-minded, tough-nosed point guard as your head coach now is wearing on Kyrie at all? Maybe taking him out of what... He, how he was progressing into the player he was, or, or do you think there's a negative effect of having Tyron Lue? I, I don't think. No, I don't think that Tyron Lue has much to do with it. Okay. I think. Um, I think one of it, part of it, is the knee coming off the knee surgery. You know, I, I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to fully find his rhythm. I think also when you play with LeBron, he's going to naturally have the ball a lot. You maybe not going to play your game. This is the stat I I wanted to yep. dig up. I think it's really interesting, and it actually speaks to your point. If you remember early in the year, then they had didn't have Kyrie. Love was a much bigger part of the offense, and yep. so when Kyrie is on the court, Love, I guess his net rating is way down. He's around a plus six. He 
He does not get the ball nearly as much. I'm trying to find the usage rate because um, and we should say under Tyron Lue, Love is his usage rate has gone way up, and actually he's getting the ball in the advantageous spots in the court. Yeah, he, he's done a better job. But yeah. the the larger point is that when Kyrie and Love share the court, particularly with LeBron, Love really is the third option, mm-hmm. and it's only when uh, Kyrie is off the court that Love his usage is up his efficiency is up. I think that's significant, and I think that speaks to your point with uh, Kyrie. So then, is the best lineup right now, and it's not going to be. If they win the NBA Finals, it's not going to be because Matthew Dellavedova is the starting point guard. It just can't. It caps their ceiling. But right now, Mike, are you telling me that their best lineups are when Dellavedova's in and Kyrie's not? Maybe not best, but I think the team, certainly the skills fit together a little better. I think there's a clear hierarchy there, and love is number two. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that, that I think there is something to that. I think there's that as a problem. I mean, we've talked a lot about love over the past bit. We've also haven't talked about it, but it's worth mentioning that this team is still a little overbalanced up front. Mm-hmm. Mozgov has played poorly this year. Tristan Thompson is one of my favorites, but I think if he's playing this role, you're missing something. And then they, they now have Channing Fry, which is another big man that's got to play. Uh, so, yeah, so with, with, love, with Kyrie off the court uh, – Love's free throw rate is way down. His rebounding is way down. Uh, I'm looking for usage. I don't know why I can't find it. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, usage rates, usage rate. Here's I the, test it. <laughs> here's the other problem. I mean, what if part of the encore problem is just LeBron's decline? Right. So is that is that the elephant in the room, Mike? To you, at least? <sighs> it's tough. I mean, LeBron is playing well. I think his defense has been better this year than last year. But he is shooting... It's terrible shooting percentage. Yeah. Like, he can't shoot the ball from the outside anymore. Yeah, he's inconsistent. He's never been a truly consistent outside shooter. And I think for if you're a defense, historically, you're winning when you're getting him to take outside shots. Absolutely. You know, and, and so I, I like the fact – I know he's taking less outside shots, but you're right, his percentages are way down. He's shooting 28% from three this year. That's the lowest mark of his career. And La- Kyrie's shooting 30% from three yeah. at home. So. The, la- the last – I mean, the last – Few years before that, thirty thirty six percent, forty one percent, thirty eight percent, thirty five percent. So that's Way significant. Down. I think his finishing at the rim is a little down. I mean, we're at the stage of LeBron's career where he just probably can't be a full time three anymore, <laughs> and that's a problem because Let alone at, a four. <laughs> he has to be a four, right? Well, I'm saying, I'm saying the physicality in the NBA of of the amount of movement. Who you're guarding on defense at three and four could be totally totally different. Number one, number two, some games when he is the primary ball handler, or say Kyrie is uh, deferring is more of the two guard in that offense because he's a scoring guard. Um, that's a lot of the ball in your hand, or you're guarding the primary guy defense, uh, offense and defense and usage in general for LeBron. And you're right that that accumulative effect certainly has to be wearing on him. All of the extra seasons of basketball he's played, of playoff games. All of those things kind of wearing on you. The fact that he, you know what, man? I'll tell you another thing. He doesn't live in Miami anymore. You know how good it feels on your body to be in warm weather compared to it's cold weather? Possibly true. It matters. He also, he made a big deal out of playing 82 games this year, which I immediately thought was a mistake. Yeah, exactly. He's only rested twice. I mean, last year after he went on that vacation, he was a much better player. Yeah. I just, it's it's actually, I think it's tied into sort of like the taking, biting off more than you can chew thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the days of, it's hard for these guys to accept that they are not what they once were. And I think it's also hard because of his reputation and he has earned the benefit of the doubt. 
publicly, there isn't as much talk, I think, about how he – I mean, I'm going to make a bold statement. Like, I'm not sure he's a slam-dunk top-five player anymore. Really? I think you have you have Steph. Yep. I think you have Durant and Westbrook. Yeah. And after that, I think he's maybe the next guy, but I think there are a few others who maybe have a case. You think Kawhi is right there with him? I mean, Kawhi might be right there. I mean, I think – Chris Paul's amazing, man. But yeah. he's not better – He's not better. Yes, we don't have to break into the exact top five, but I, I see think what Anthony you're Davis, although he's played poorly this year, is in the conversation. I don't think LeBron is as good as Draymond Green, or better as worse than Draymond Green. But you have to wonder at least about the impact level that they're making. I'm just what saying. If, what if those two in a theoretical world switched right now? What if LeBron was on the Warriors and Dr- and Draymond Green was facilitating for Kyrie and Love? Well, I mean, that's the thing about Draymond. Draymond embraces his role, and LeBron, I think, still... Not that he should embrace Draymond's role because he's more talented. I think it's still just tough for someone to accept. The hardest thing for a coach... I mean, it's a saying around the league. The hardest thing for a coach to coach is the star in decline. Absolutely. Let alone LeBron James in decline. Right. Which is his own supernova, if you will. Right. But, I mean, yes, anyone. Like, the idea of him maybe not being a top-five player sounds ludicrous. Yeah. And I'm not saying he is certainly not a top-five player. I'm just saying we need to start – there's a debate. It's a discussion. Yeah. Does he really belong in that mix right now? I mean, to me, yes. To me, LeBron is still a top-five player. If not, I think he's probably the second-best player in the NBA still. Maybe the third behind Durant. But – it's right there, and comparing anybody with Durant and Curry right now is amazing to do. They're playing at such high levels. They shoot. I think the biggest difference between LeBron and those two and uh, Kawhi is that these guys are shooting such outrageous percentages from three, from deep twos, around the rim. And we were talking about, uh, I'm not sure exactly what Kawhi is shooting, but we know we know what the you know uh, 50% field goal 45% three and 90% free throw. We know how rare that is. And Curry is going to do 90, 50, 50 at some point in his career, man. Yeah. And that's insane. I think he will too. You know, and that's insane to think about. And, and you know what? So could Durant. Yeah. You know, another stat with LeBron, his uh, free throw rate uh, is the lowest of his career since his rookie year. Interesting. That tells and me. And it's way not, down from where it was before. It's not a Look, there's just too many. There have been whispers about his athletic decline. Now I think it's fairly obvious. Ironically, I think he's starting to get the Kobe mid-30s treatment where his reputation outstrips his ability. Mm -hmm. I think it's ironic because that was what everybody was like, Kobe's still the best in the league when (laughs) it was clear he was not. So I just think it's like hard. He's going to enter a stage of his career where he cannot be the best player on a championship team. Yep, He may have already gotten there, but he has to be able to trust that he can pass the torch. And that level of trust is not there, and I think that's the central tension with Cleveland beyond the encore difficulty of Love and Kyrie and their whatever. I think the number one thing that kind of hurts them is that we saw this a little bit in the finals. It's just a LeBron-led team has just got too many flaws at a certain point, and one, either he's got to accept that he needs to change positions, get spacing around him, find some, more, some gimmick to kind of make him more effective again. Yeah. And so he's not just like the same kind of effective, or you know, he's just got to pass the burden of the offense to someone else. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Mike, I think, and this is not a unique opinion at all, people have compared him to being more magic than Michael for years and years and years. But for LeBron to fully, I want to say, uh, take on his next phase of his career, I think he needs to be the most magic. 
I think if he turned into the true facilitator, creator, teammate, point guard, point guard mm-hmm. for this Cavs team, then you would have your best Cavs I team. I think you need late magic, the magic that kind of swung up to power forward and backed in, backed in, backed sure, in all the time. Sure, but still Mark Jackson did whatever you'd call it, ran the offense through in a facilitating manner. It doesn't need to be LeBron getting 30. I think for the longest time his teams were best when he did score points, when he went for it, when he was aggressive. You can be aggressive while still making Kyrie your leading scorer and Kevin Love your second leading scorer, but you're in the triple-double range. Yeah, That's what they need from LeBron. But I think you tied it up real nicely, man, with the uh, with sort of your fading LeBron meets the world we live in right now of I, the NBA. I think that's the theme of Cleveland's season. Uh, the theme of this whole problem is – to the degree of which it is a problem. It's <laughs> LeBron struggling to deal with something that we all deal with, which is getting older. That's right, man. And not being capable of doing what he was used to do. Yeah. And, you know, you see this all the time. You know, I used to be able to watch late-night games all the time. I used to stay up really late, and then I got married, and now I've got to kind of switch my viewing schedule around. And so the rare times when I do have to stay up late and watch a game, it's a much more of a slog. Yep. And yep. I think there's a – I mean, I don't want to parallel myself to LeBron, but I think no, there's, sort, there's sort of a, a parallel in you just can't do what you can't you couldn't do in the past, and it's hard totally. to come to grips with it. Totally. Now, one one last thought before we kind of wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Let's say they, as expected, do not win the title, and now LeBron is a year older, and he has yet to deliver the much-promised championship to the land. Mm-hmm. He is yet to – the coming home has not been, you know – as peachy as he expected. What happens to Cleveland after that? And I have a, I, I wonder. You tell me, Mike. I don't I, know. A, a part of me wonders if he's going to try to reunite his super friends in some way. He's going to try to get Carmelo on the the, the Cavs. He's going to try to you know do the long kind of discuss Kyrie for Chris Paul deal. Yep. I just wonder if you can't take enough of those pictures and post them on Instagram of the, the getting the band back together and it's it's the whole class together. I just wonder if we're gonna get like one of those '97 Rockets, like old guy, old guys going for a last run together yeah. because he's this desperation level, yeah. and that I think would really hurt sink sure. the Cavs long term. Sure. And the analogy. I say give what you, like, you want to. Yeah. Say what you want about Kyrie and Love right now, but they're on good contracts. They're young. They they. That two, those two, you know, you surround them with the right pieces, you've got something. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'll give you one last analogy here. I know there are multiple different sports that people are fans of. When you see a baseball pitcher who used to throw gas, then they become 30 years old and they need to figure out how to throw a splitter or a cutter or other ways to make people miss that are just as effective, you either sink or swim. You learn how to throw those secondary pitches or you get your fastball blasted out of the stadium. And LeBron's fastball is his physicality, his unmatched strength, speed, size, agility. The league had never seen a body and a player like LeBron. And now, because of a slight dip in that, and because of what he did to the younger generation of basketball players, there are this league is stacked with guys around his size who all have skill. There's, mm-hmm. there's a whole generation of guys who saw LeBron playing who are six foot eight, six foot nine. They want to play small forward. They want to play point guard, and they've been doing it since LeBron was a kid. These guys grew up playing AAU basketball, playing high school basketball, you know, one year of college, getting the experience of doing what he does to the league, and he is facing that crop now. Yeah, you got to learn how to throw that cutter and your splitter, LeBron. And I would, I would argue that he knows how to throw the cutter and splitter, but what he lacks maybe right now is the willingness to try that stuff. I'd agree with that. I'd I think, and that. I think that it may take another postseason failure to get that out of him, and that's why I'm really watching these guys down the stretch. I think Very nice. it's less, 
okay, they're going to win plenty of games. They're going to kind of have these games where they look dominant. But what happens to this team? Because there's clearly a problem. What happens to this team in June when maybe they're back in the finals versus Golden State and it's 2-0 going back to Cleveland? Well, and then you kind of go past the season and you wonder, it's going to be real, it's real interesting. Like, anything is on the table to me for them this summer. Uh, That is an exciting podcast for another time then, man. We'll see how it all ends up. Um, This was a good deep dive into the Cavs, into the presumed issues that may or may not be surfacing right now. Although I did get a lot of um, my uh, anger off my back about this whole situation, which is it's insane that professional athletes use social media <laughs> to get to their teammates who they spend their entire lives with. Yes, You see these people every day from the closest proximity, tap them on the shoulder, talk to them, don't put it on Instagram. Don't put it on Twitter where you have 25 million random people following I you. Saw, I saw your tweet about the limited upside bowl a while back. Yeah, you, Come on, you're a bit of a hypocrite here. You're I, trying to get to me there. No, I you wasn't. didn't text me. I would never be gloating about the Sixers. But I did want to say, I did want to bring up, I'm glad you brought up the limited upside bowl. Mike, who do the Cavs play next game on the heels of this podcast? The Washington Wizards. And the the Wizards surging them. Washington Wizards. That's right. Uh, who have limped their way to 500. <laughs> That's right. And might get over the hump to that. Uh, just above 500 point uh, against uh, Cleveland on Friday night. This is a Thursday. Yes. But until then, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about, and we will do it. I promise all those Mike Prado Wizards fans out there, we're going to do a Wizards podcast as soon as Mike allows us to do that. It's, it's, it won't be it's, next week. <laughs> it won't be. We'll uh, real week quick, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud. Uh, I don't think we're on Stitcher yet, but we'll try to work on that. Uh, subscribe to us there. You can also find us on the site, sbnation.com slash NBA. Ben, what is your Twitter handle? I am at EpiBen. We are at Limited Upside. And Mike, you are? Mike Prada, SBN. Awesome. Until next time, everybody, Limited Upside Podcast. Limited Upside Podcast.